How many episodes of the Ford Fiesta have there been, Paul? I don't know, 37? Well, Harrison Ford has a very active 70s, but he brought the decade to a close with a crazy busy 1979. So this is our 14th episode of the Ford Fiesta and the fourth movie of Fords from 1979. Wow, go forth. Let's, and let's do it now. Apocalypse Now. That was really dumb. It's the Ford Fiesta! Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm the Force uh, Witkins. And I'm Apocalypse Now, Stan. You know, it's pretty amazing to think that in just over a dozen movies into his career, Harrison Ford has already appeared in four legitimate all-time legendary films that belong in anybody's top ten list. American Graffiti, The Conversation, Star Wars, and today's classic Vietnam War saga by Francis Ford Coppola, Apocalypse Now. But a dozen plus movies only puts us about a quarter of the way through our run of watching every Harrison Ford movie there is. So, welcome to season two, which is what we're calling it, because in podcasting, if you miss a week, you're legally obligated by the Council of Elders to start a new season. Actually, we wanted to emulate for our audiences what it was like to wait for Apocalypse Now to come out in 1976, 77, 78, 79. But we don't have an Eleanor Coppola to record our descent into madness. We only have you, the audience, which we'd like to grow. So please help us out by liking and sharing our posts about the show, subscribing wherever possible. And of course, following us on social media at the movie guys. And of course, at the movie our home base, uh, where you can find all of our old shows that have led up to this appearance by Harrison Ford as Colonel Lucas. <laughs> Colonel Lucas. Sound familiar? Obviously, it's a reference to John Ratzenberger's mechanic in Hanover Street. And if you didn't get that joke, the Hanover Street episode is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all podcast platforms. Now, later in the show, we'll be joined by our friend and cohort in the Movie Trivia Schmodown, the crazy online trivia league where tens of thousands of people watch us play movie trivia, Mr. John Kaiser. Oh, be prepared. A different <laughs> show than usual. John, Adam, and I got together in person. And we watched Apocalypse Now. Now, Adam and John decided they'd do some drinking during the film. <laughs> and have we mentioned yet that it's long? Yeah. So they're <laughs> rather lit by the time we did the usual mm-hmm. film discussion. And it's uh, something to behold. Kieran Lager Beer. So that's coming up. But first. What's new in the world of Harrison Ford? You know, I sort of have a Harrison Ford offshoot story. I went to the Geffen Playhouse. I've been kind of on a tear since Ooh, theater returned. I saw awesome. the band's visit. I saw the Lehman Trilogy. I saw Town. I saw uh, Power of Sale with Brian Cranston at the Geff House. That was amazing. I don't and, even know what you're talking about with all these. Yeah, you know, it's a, that's an original play, but Cranston on stage, I mean, it was fantastic. Ooh. And Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf starred Zachary Quinto and Callista Flarkart. So you have the Ford tie-in, and she was fantastic. You know, I never was a real Allie McBeal fan. or just didn't watch it to know whether to be a fan or not. Right. But uh, she was great in this, and she and Quinto had a nice chemistry. You know, that Burton Taylor sort of, ah! Uh, My girlfriend Susan and I just yelled at each other the rest of the night. It was like, ah, damn it, Susan, close the window! (laughs) (laughs) And then she has to, like, go on and on in some random way. Windows, windows. They say they're the, the... 
the, to the soul, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know, but no one wants to listen to you. <laughs> they were both great. So that was fun and, and recommended if it's still running by the time this airs. Oh, what a great play. What a great play. <laughs> oh, Indiana Jones 5 is done shooting. Oh. Not post, of course. It's not going to come out until next summer. Right. Uh, but a fun story about Harrison Ford is he hosted the rap party from his own pocket, which nice. is class, right? That's Sorry I delayed your production by breaking my leg. <laughs> yeah. And Ridley Scott, here's more news, is developing Blade Runner 2099 for television. This is awesome. The Ridley Scott era of sequelizing his old stuff, I just love. I love the Alien movies he did. He's having a lot of fun in those movies, and it's just, and this, this is awesome. This is great. It is interesting. Like in Prometheus, they mention... Uh, the relationship perhaps between Tyrell in Blade Runner Ooh, and right. who's the guy in Alien? Who's Wyland the, or Yutani? Wyland, yeah. Wyland, well, yeah. Like, Tyrell might have been his mentor or vice versa or something like that. And there's a reference to a location that Rutger Hauer's Roy Batty mentions in that Tears in the Rain speech. There's a mention of that place in Prometheus. So, like, there, even those worlds are kind of tying together, so it's all fun. And, I love it. Uh, but don't expect Harrison Ford. 2099 obviously puts it 50 years ahead of the last movie. So yeah. I don't think we'll see Deckard. But, um, he might come across an older Ryan Gosling. Yeah, exactly. And, and it would make sense that Ryan Gosling would still look like this, even though he's 50 years older, because he's Ryan Gosling. Uh, and Ford is being honored on June 10th by the Aero Club of Southern California. All we ever talk about are his plane crashes. They're honoring him. Which is cool. But because here's some of the other things he's done. In 2010, he commanded an Operation Smile medical volunteer and supply uh, airlift for Haiti earthquake victims. Uh, he's a volunteer search and rescue helicopter pilot in Teton County, Wyoming. We've talked about that. Yeah. And he's traveled to D.C. multiple times to advocate for pilots' rights. And so he'll get the Howard Hughes Memorial Award at a ceremony in California at the California Science Center. Huh. And his name will be added to this award. It's kind of like the Stanley Cup, where just keep adding names right there. I mean, can you imagine? He's a, a loves flying, and he's, his name's going to be next to Chuck Yeager, Neil Armstrong, Jim Lovell, Sully Sullenberger, wow. and uh, of course, you know, for three hundred twenty-five bucks, you can go, Adam. You can go to this dinner. And- I made Jim Lovell laugh once. He came and spoke at our college around the time of Apollo thirteen, and some little kid got up and gave him a little card that she'd drawn of you know, uh, of the Apollo 13 or whatever and gave it to it, got the big awe or whatever. And I, and I said something like, well, I guess uh, she stole my thunder or something like that. Or like, <laughs> I, well, I brought a photo, I brought a drawing too, but it's not as good as that one. I can't remember. I said something like that and made Jim Lovell laugh. He's got a good sense of humor because she could have drawn like the ship not on the moon. And he's like, yeah, thanks for the reminder, <laughs> yeah, kid. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Jim Lovell and Sully Sullenberger, I mean, you know, some of the names you mentioned there. <laughs> Why, yes, land, go. Yeah. It's good company. What we really love about him being a pilot is stuff like this, because he's he's a superhero in real life. It's so fun. And if you want to see Harrison Ford on television, now's your chance. A first. After missing out on The Staircase, he was uh, that show is out right now with Colin Firth. Colin Firth took over the role in that film because uh, Indiana Jones 5 going on and on. So Ford missed out on that, but he will make his first appearance in a television show playing opposite Jason Segel and Apple TV Plus's shrinking hmm. and that seagull plays a grieving therapist or starts to tell his clients exactly what he thinks and apparently it works <laughs> makes them better makes him better and then ford plays like a blue collar shrink who's struggling with parkinson's who has his own sort of i guess difficulties with his family and stuff and i don't know if he takes umbrage with seagull's way of doing things because he's old and blue collar or maybe he like is a champion of it or maybe he 
goes to him for therapy because he has trouble with all these things in his life. But either way, it's a comedy because it's from the Ted Lasso gang. Okay. Um, Brett Goldstein and uh, Bill Lawrence will be producing. And so it should be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I, I cringe a little because, you know, I don't, he's one of the last movie stars out there with Tom right. Cruise who, like, isn't doing TV. But I'll take it, you know, I'll take what I can he get. He hasn't done TV since the Christmas book. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, these, but the, the, let, let's not kid ourselves here, Paul. You and I are movie guys. We obviously re- prefer to go to a dedicated space, let the lights come down, let the whole thing wash over us and everything. But the TV that's being made today are just movies that are cut up into pieces. I mean, they're just long movies. They're very, you know, this, these are these are good movies being made on all the streaming platforms. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, th- that's one of the things. It's the streaming platforms do have an edge up because one of the things I noticed when Daredevil came out on Netflix was Daredevil felt like a movie on television. Right. But if you watched... Uh, the Flash or something on WB. That looked like a TV show. It does. So, yeah. so you can't elevate it. You can't ask. It seems like streaming just will never make something that could look remotely like it was on network television. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. By being on Apple TV uh, Plus, I mean, good for them. They also just won the Oscar for Best Picture. So they know. And what obviously, doing. he's underutilized for comedy. And what we've said is the few times it's worked, and, and we'll be covering those coming up, like uh, Morning Glory and I guess to, to a degree Anchorman 2, is when they play that gruff thing for comedy. At lunch. <laughs> yeah. With Dick and Cheney. Yeah, and I think the Ted Lasso team knows how to balance. That sort of comedy with uh, real human issues, and so it should be uh, good for him to settle into. And, of course, you can't Google Harrison Ford News without there being uh, dopey stuff. So, um, What did it get you? Mads Mikkelsen says Ford was a monster of a man oh. on the set of Indy 5, referring to his workout regimen at 79. Oh. So if you are, okay. like, lamenting your the shape you're in and you're not 79, look to Harrison Ford as inspiration, apparently. Mads, okay. and it just reminded me, Mads is in that movie because we got Antonio Banderas, we got oh. Mads Mikkelsen, we got Phoebe uh, Waller Bridge, right? But they th- I keep forgetting how great the cast is because we talked about it so long ago and they took so long to shoot it that I'm starting to get hyped up again for this movie. I mean, this is something that they really kicked into as a part of an Indiana Jones movie in the last movie because, I mean, yeah, you brought Connery in for Last Crusade. Uh, and who's the guy that played Belloc? I can't even think of his name. Paul Freeman. Yeah, Paul Freeman, obviously respected in France, and you know he's, he's in he's in a bunch of other stuff that that's respectable. But we I can't name any of them. The one thing I know I keep buttering you up about the Crystal Skull is that's a crazy ass cast in that movie. Like I, I I would think you would see any movie with that cast, and the fact that that cast is in an Indiana Jones movie really is another another notch in the belt, I think, of uh, Crystal Skull. And they're doing it again for this. It's like, all right, stunt cast. Let's get, you know, who are we going to get in here to play the villain, this femme fatale? You know, really genre-eyes up Indiana Jones in the last two movies in that one. Yeah, that's true. If you told me, you know, Kate Blanchett and Ray Winstone were in a movie, yeah. I might that might be enough for me to right. go. And then you throw in Harrison Ford, Shia LaBeouf, Karen Allen, and John Hurt. I'd be like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to see what this is about. I didn't care to like it. But again, this... It feels almost like this show is leading up to that episode, even more so than Call of the Wild. When That's we get to Crystal change. Skull, will I enjoy it better than I did? Yeah, fourteen. Years we should ago. have a big viewing party because I remember Kevin Smets early on said, "Oh, I want to watch that because he likes that movie." And I think if we fill your living room with inner geekdom competitors, Paul, you're going to walk out going, "All right, that movie." That's true. <laughs> uh, also, and this is fun. Harrison Ford was spotted in Fort Worth, Texas. 
no real reason claimed, although he often goes there to refresh, refresh his piloting skills. Okay. And he was also spotted in Wichita. And the interesting thing about that, this was around May the 4th, so people were excited to see him for you know, the May the 4th be with you uh, day. Yeah. But he's just kind of doing stuff. All right. He's done shooting, and he showed up in what I guess he shows up in Wichita every year. He looks for like this specific pillow, and the uh, the for, and, like, uh, 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 this department store is excited to see him. And he has been taking pictures with the wait staff everywhere he went. You know, he's not okay. like leave me alone. Yeah, although there is a sh- story where someone said you look like, and he goes, "Yeah, I look like someone who looks like someone." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I always like when he's uh, doing fun, weird stuff, and it looks like he. Has just been traveling and enjoying himself. So, where do I come from? Where am I going? I almost feel like a like I'm like I'm with TMZ when I follow this stuff. But hey, we only do it every episode, and we do it for Harrison Ford. It allows us to obsess. It's great. And one more quick recurring show segment before we get to the recap. This Dayton Ford history. <laughs> now. 519-1960 Ford graduated from Maine East High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Do you think they make a day of it? Do they? <laughs> I don't know. I would. I'd put oh, the movies on the lawn. You know, the football field will set up a big screen and show yeah. the Patriot Games or something. You know, I would do that. I would make a pilgrimage. And then, of course, you can't talk about this date in Ford history without acknowledging that it's May and beginning of the summer season. So this is the time of year when plenty of big-time Harrison Ford movies were released. Big anniversaries. Yeah, so May 17th, 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. May 24th, 89, Last Crusade. May 24th, 08, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And, of course, May 25th, 1977 and 83 was... Star Wars and Return of the Jedi. But even before then, he was inching his way into May with the releases of Journey to Shiloh on May 17th, 68, and Hanover Street All right. on May 18th. Yeah, we've always talked about that. When are we going to get to big summer Harrison Ford? You know, that's when he sealed his reputation with us. It was like every summer, you know, you're going to get your Harrison Ford movie. So it's cool to see all those anniversaries. All right, on to the movie, Apocalypse Now. What's it about, you ask? Well, first of all, we're getting to it. And secondly, who let you in? <laughs> We'll tell you what it's about because luckily we have in our hands the patented Movie Guys Recap. Apocalypse Now is the 1979 war movie directed by Francis Ford Coppola from a script by John Milius. And it does for war what Coppola did for organized crime in The Godfather and conversations in The Conversation. Unlike more modern takes on war, Apocalypse Now doesn't try and put you in the visceral realistic tension of combat any more than Coppola tries to rat-a-tat-tat the mob in The Godfather. Apocalypse Now is a tone poem, a moody meditation supposedly on the horrors of war, but really it showcases the insanity that fills the vacuum wars create in social order. Loosely adapted from Heart of Darkness by William Conrad, The year is 1987. NASA launches the last of America's deep space probes. I think you mean Conrad Bain. Tonight on Different Strokes, we are presenting the first half of a two-part show on a very important subject, the dangers of hitchhiking. An adaptation previously abandoned by Orson Welles and thought to be unfilmable, Coppola spins his blank check the way most 70s filmmakers did, by bankrupting himself in an overindulgent filmmaking exercise that broke a previous auteur. Coppola begins his symphony of war with the Doris proclaiming, this is the end, for you symbolism fans, as a helicopter rotor turns into a ceiling fan for all you match cut fans. And Martin Sheen, who somehow looks like both of his sons, but whose sons don't look like each other, plays Captain Willard, who wakes up in Saigon. Still only in Saigon? Still. He's drunk, just like all those war heroes of the past weren't. 
John Wayne never had to be dragged into a cold shower by MPs after he smashed his hand on a mirror after downing a bottle of Old Crow. Willard is taken to a meeting with Army Intelligence, who tell him that Marlon Brando has retreated into the jungle and gone nuts, experimenting on animals and turning them into strange-looking humans. Wait a second, wait a second, sorry. That's the uh, wrong Marlon Brando goes nuts movie. In this one, Brando plays Colonel Walter E. Kurtz of the U.S. Special Forces, who's disappeared in Cambodia, waging guerrilla warfare outside military control, setting up his own kingdom where he is worshipped like a god and gone insane, as evidenced by a recording acquired by Army Intelligence where he blathers on about war. I, I think uh, me, uh, we're going to be, me and you, will be a page of what we're going to do. That might have been Crackhead Bob from the Howard Stern Show. Here's the right clip. Hey, yeah. Yeah, but that's not really what this movie is about. Harrison Ford plays Colonel Lucas. Oh, I get it! One of the three military personnel who meet with Willard. He leads the meeting, giving the entire backstory on Willard and Kurtz, and gives him his assignment. If this were a James Bond movie, he'd be M. Your mission is to proceed up the Nung River in a Navy patrol boat. <clears throat> Pick up Colonel Kurtz's path at New Mung Ba. Follow it, learn what you can along the way. Sometimes when Ford has a smaller amount of screen time, you have to wait for him to show up, but not here. He's on early and given the huge task of kicking this whole plot in motion. Clearly Ford's early appearance here is easily one of the reasons Apocalypse Now won two Oscars, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and Film of the Year status at the London Film Critics Circle. But if you want to know how long it took to make Apocalypse Now, note that Harrison Ford is conversation age. After Colonel Lucas gives us some more backstory, he shifts uncomfortably to the next topic. You see, Willard wasn't brought here to be told the story of Kurtz. He's being told to find Kurtz and kill him, a request Harrison Ford has trouble even saying. When you find the colonel, infiltrate his team by <clears throat> whatever means available and terminate the colonel's command. Although he actually has trouble saying a lot of things. And which way to the bathroom? <clears throat> well, it's <clears throat> stopped up and <clears throat> some of the men have... Uh <clears throat> Been using a bucket out back. Willard is inserted into a squad of Navy soldiers on a patrol boat to head down the river and find Kurtz. Amongst the ensemble that will slowly unravel are the machinist, the one they call Chef. The machinist, the one they called Chef, was from New Orleans. Lance in the forward 50s was a famous Lance surfer from the, the forward beach. Lance 50s was a famous surfer from the beaches south of L.A. Clean. Clean. Mr. Clean Mr. was from Clean some was South Bronx. From some <sighs> South Bronx shithole, and I think the light in the space of Vietnam really put the zap on his head. And Phillips, then the there chief, was Phillips, uh, the chief. It might have been my mission, but it sure as shit was the chief's boat. Their first assignment, rendezvous with the 9th Cavalry Regiment, the Air Cav, a helicopter assault command led by the flamboyant and eccentric laser-targeted satirical bullet on the insanity of war, William Kilgore. For all you aptronym fans. Time to come in for six hours! Right here for six hours. But they might as well have named the character John Milius, as the hilariously pro-war Kilgore bombastically takes over the movie, sweeping us and Willard along for the ride as he barks out orders, drops death cards on the killed, and demands the pro-surfer take to the waves despite being shelled by the Viet Cong. You want to surf, soldier? Yes, sir. That's good, son, because you're either surf or fight. That's clear. And that's all just a prelude to Kilgore's dawn raid on a nearby village, where air cavalry rides in like their namesake, a force of a dozen helicopters and napalms a village while playing Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries out of the mounted speakers directed at their prey. For all you fans of diegetic music. After the 
gorgeously shot smoke has cleared, Kilgore delivers the most famous line of the movie. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And the funniest. Someday this war's gonna end. And frankly, that's where the movie ends. Nevertheless, it continues. Winding symbolically, I guess, up the river, encountering more surreal vignettes of the randomness and absurdity of war, and Willard's mission as he plunges deeper into the heart of darkness or whatever. The script began as a series of stories that John Milius, George Lucas, and Coppola were told by returning veterans. And you'd believe it because 10 dissolves up the river, Chef leaves the boat to have a little side quest for some mangoes, only to meet the level boss that is a tiger. A tiger in Africa? Hmm? A tiger in Africa? About five dissolves up the river from there, the wearying crew witness another surreal chapter as Playboy bunnies are lowered from a helicopter over the water. It's a USO show, which quickly turns into the de-evolution of humanity. Another couple dissolves from there. They assassinate an entire boat thinking they had guns, when what they really had was a puppy, if you're into metaphors. Finally, they reach the last American outpost before the true wilds of the unknown, Dolong Bridge. The boat arrives during a North Vietnamese attack on the bridge. It's a triumph of photography, production design, choreography, and massive scale. A feast for the eyes, particularly Lance's dilated eyes, because he decided to drop acid when they arrived. That's when the acid kicked in. Realizing the war has devolved into chaos during their mission, the chief tells Willard to turn back, but Willard pushes them on as tension increases amongst the crew. Chief has proven right that they should have turned back when he gets hit with a spear that goes through his entire body. And Clean would probably back him up if he wasn't killed in a Viet Cong ambush moments before. A couple of dissolves from there, the river patrol boat finally arrives at Kurt's compound. And if you thought the movie couldn't slow down much more, well you meet Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando at his heaviest weight to date. He definitely had more weight to gain. If you heard the description of him earlier in the movie, you'd think he got the wrong dossier. At first, I thought they handed me the wrong dossier. It's okay to nod off at this point because I'm pretty sure Brando is during the pauses in his nonsense speech. Whatever happened to saying rambling with some energy? There's mines over there, mines over there too. And watch out, those goddamn monkeys bite you, I'll tell you. Like the master of it, Dennis Hopper, who shows up to inject a little energy into the movie. Ah, that's a pretty one. Move it right in toward me. I'm an American! Yeah, I wish Dennis Hopper entered every movie two hours in, talking jive like this. Bruce Wayne, like, gets his back broken, thrown into a pit, and Dark Knight Rises, and then, out of the darkness. Do you know that if is the middle word in life? Yeah, yeah, and in, in The Last Jedi, Finn and Rose, they get thrown into the jail on Canto Bite, and then suddenly you hear... No maybes, no supposes, no fractions. You can't travel in space, you can't go out into space, you know, without, like, you know, uh, with fractions. Yeah, you got Faye Ray tied to the sacrificial post. You see the trees start to jostle back and forth and out of the trees. And watch out, those goddamn monkeys bite you, I'll tell you. Kurtz forces Willard to listen to hours of Jim Jones-style ramblings without even offering him a sip of cyanide-laced flavor aid for the sweet, sweet release of death. Paul, should I have written Kool-Aid there? Because flavor aid is accurate. That's it. Just to let you know how cheap Jim Jones was. Imagine going out, you know, after you sip it, your, your last visit. This was flavor aid, by the way. Wait, what? what? Hey, Jim, I went, to the, I went to the grocery store. They had Kool-Aid and flavor aid. Flavor aid's about five cents cheaper a packet. That's the one. Then This Is The End makes another appearance, stripped of its irony, now that it's in a more appropriate place than the beginning of the movie. Willard kills Kurtz, which is montaged with the village's killing of an ox. Given Marlon Brando's size, must have been impossible for the editor to differentiate, and must have been incredibly insulting to Brando. 
And then it's Kurt Slade dying. He utters the movie's famousest, also famous. It's a quotable movie. That's what we're trying to say. And and you know what? And maybe it's the movie's ultimate statement on war. Maybe. I don't know. I'm doing a lot of work here for this movie. Which, coincidentally, were critics' reviews of the movie. Apocalypse now, everybody. That's... All right. And now we do the part of the show where we uh, conversate. So we're going to talk about Apocalypse Now. And here's how we got to where we are. <laughs> Paul, how did this story start? <laughs> this is the inaugural show back in the garage. It is. Since yeah. the pandemic started. In the Admiral's Lounge. The Admiral's Lounge. The Admiral's Club. We have not been here in some time. We've been on Zoom, but this is exciting. Yeah. And uh, in his final appearance, we have a guest, as, <laughs> as we said... Uh, <laughs> earlier in the show, John Kaiser is with us. So. I Kaiser, have baby. arrived. I'm with the movie guys. <laughs> My only goal in life was to be with the movie guys. <laughs> I am here with the two funniest dudes on the planet, and I'm ready to roll. Here's how we got here. At one o'clock. Right, one these guys o'clock. came over to watch the <laughs> one final, in the PM. Yes, the final cut version of Apocalypse Now. Right. It is now. 8.30. You <laughs> lie. It's 11.40. You it's were a, trying to make it like... Okay. Well, East Coast. Yeah. Paul but, has had to be somewhere for an hour and a half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Two hours and, and a half. But so, yeah, there were often stops for beers. There were stops for not one, but two meals because it's a three-hour right. movie. So right. three hours is on the movie. We need a but second the other, meal. The other four and a half hours are on you guys. Which, can I say, is a step down from Kaiser's original plan, which is to rent an Airbnb with a pool and a hot tub <laughs> yes. and record this entire show from there. We so we watched the Apocalypse Now Final Cut, or as yeah. I like to call it, based on how today went, Apocalypse Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Let the filmmaker take his time. And he certainly did. I, well, I liked how he took his time. Moving on. So these guys have had a lot of beers. That's the point. So you know one how from we can. Yes. <laughs> many, many. In that amount of time, we've, Many's a lot. we've consumed I mean, a few beers. I couple, couple, don't drink, so I'll be couple. steering this ship. So let's oh. talk about the film. Aren't you the model of how everybody should be? Oh, I don't drink. I'm the... <laughs> hey, guys. You want to be cool? You want to be healthy? Live like Paul Preston? <laughs> and yet, I'm excited to talk about Apocalypse Now, Paul. Yeah, the greatest movie, uh, of, all- uh, the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. Should we, should we call it the Harrison, or should we call it the final cut or the Harrison Ford cut? There is more Harrison Ford. That was one of the so benefits of the final cut. Yeah. Yeah. It's the greatest film of all time. Certainly the greatest war film of all time. Now, are you pulling in Adam? Because sometimes he'll see a movie and say that's the greatest totally movie of all time. This or did you come in thinking that? The, no, I did not come in feeling that, Paul. Oh, really? So it is a, an Adam. I yeah. absolutely, upon sec... You know, what is it even like? It's like fifth viewing. I watched this thing again with the freshest eyes I've seen in a long time and was blown the fuck away. Mainly... By Vittorio Storaro. Well, we know that the cinema- there's one star in this movie. Vittorio Storaro, <laughs> the cinematographer, puts on an exhibition, and it is the greatest cinematography Guys. I've ever seen in a film. I rest my case. No, for that's the questions. A, we, we want to talk for like another half hour, though. I think you pick a good starting point, though, which is because for for that first half hour of this movie, which we've decided is eight movies. There are eight right. different movies. In I appreciate movie. that comment, though. That's a good right. In but a, but in, a net, in a Netflix world, this would be eight pieces. It's eight pieces in a uh, Netflix world. It, within that, for the first half hour, for the first piece, basically, this entire living room just kept going. 
Oh, the hell? Oh, screw you. <laughs> Come on, because he's too perfect. Shot after shot is shot gorgeous. After and shot. Design. After shot. After shot. Yeah. Composition is Have amazing. Have you ever watched a movie where One, two, three, every five. second counts? Like, if you turn away, yeah, if I just go over here to take a piss and I come back, I'm like, wait a minute, it still <laughs> looks like gold, which I did multiple times. That's, but again, like, why it's seven and a half hours. It's always gold visually. That's Beautiful. the Storario magic, but you got guys like John Milius and right. Mr. Coppola who well, laid out a landscape. Okay. But, it, but let's be real. But Storaro, you're right. Storaro is the star of the show because yeah. it's all practical. There's no green screen, gene screen, True. screen screen, TikTok right. screen, no screens. No, no, and that's the thing, too, because the, the legend of this movie is how big a pain in the ass it was to shoot it. And you look at it and you go, of course it was. <laughs> and you're like, like all the composition, like nine helicopters are like, hey, uh, hey, Coppola, would uh, five do? No, <laughs> nine. <laughs> and it's just these giant compositions and, and oh, just it's, it's amazing. But it's all big. It's huge. It's two, three five giant uh, uh the landscape of this to capture vietnam this dvd with, especially was cool right like, i know the latest when, the latest when, when uh, he color. stood up and he goes you're so blown away because you're used to watching it like a vhs well, that's remember the when thing? wit walked up to the well, screen and he tried to block it off like this is how you're used this to is what four it. by yeah, three yeah. would right look know, like yeah. you know, it is how you're used to seeing it because th now that's the first time you any of us saw it was four by three vhs right that is just not an accurate representation of this movie. And I, I will say that, Paul, you and I about two years ago saw this cut, the final cut, mm -hmm. in an IMAX theater. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of that and said, Paul, I get it now. I actually get now why people love Apocalypse Now. And this movie is a masterpiece. And up until then, so that's 20 years of watching Apocalypse Now and going, it's not that great. It's the Citizen Kane of the 70s. What year was uh, Easy Rider? 69? I think. Eight. Eight or nine? 68, 69. So 10 years later, so this is the young filmmakers of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So look at this. We're checking in 10 years into that movement. And so where we've come is just so fascinating. I, I thought of that mostly. When that Den movie's an opera. When Dennis Hopper comes in, I, th I just thought to myself, I'm like, this is ex almost exactly 10 years after Easy Rider, which ushered in a new movement in youth cinema. Duval oh, pops on Duvall. screen, and you look at me and you go, this is the the Doctor Strangelove part of the movie. It is. I'm like, holy f It like, is. I've, like, yes, I've agreed with that same level of humor my whole life, but I never looked at it that way. It's, you blew my f***ing mind. I'm like, oh my God, yes. It's only a Vietnam satire while Duvall was on screen. Yeah. Bro, <laughs> you blew my mind. It's only yes. a war satire. Oh my well, God. Well, Duvall's on screen. So much. Yeah, and it becomes, and it's absurd. You hit it, the nail on the it head. It might though. as well be hot shots while Robert Duvall is on screen. That's Don't a you stretch. Think? That's a fucking stretch. <laughs> yeah. That's a real fucking stretch. But it's. Leslie Nielsen was not in this but movie. But it's. You but know, I'm saying, when you it's hit. Nuts. But you, the way I, I. That was. That, that has always been my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. The minute. The minute he's on stage and Charlie don't surf and a whole thing thing and maybe I'm a Duval nerd and I love everything Duval does. No problem with that. I'll put yeah. it this way: I mic the man up. Who doesn't love kicking a screen? Yo, yo, one of yeah. my first jobs in Hollywood, micing up Robert Duval. Like, 
Oh, did you? I think you're the greatest human Tell being. a story. I might think you're the greatest human being on the planet. I'm just going to put this microphone on you. You're like, I loved your 30 seconds in Vision Body Snatchers. you know who's winning the football game out there? I go, I don't know because I don't have any money on it, so I really don't know what's going on out there. But he, This is when you were miking up Robert I Duvall? I miked up okay. Robert Duvall one time. <laughs> did and you guys I talk about like, betting on college well, football? I told him I was betting. He's like, what's going on in the football game out there? I go, no, man, I would know only if I was betting on it. So they're playing Canisius College, my old school, where I played football at. Like, they're going to get their asses kicked. They're sh- they suck. They sucked when I was there. They suck now. But, like, put your... Okay, great. He just wanted to know what was going on in the world. Like, dude, I'll tell you what. When I mic'd up, I also mic'd up Philip Seymour Hoffman. You want to know he wanted to only know? Only one of them was in Apocalypse You want to know he now. wanted to know? What's the score of the Bills game? Yeah. That's a Western New York kid. He's like, we're here at a movie, you know, at a, at, a, at, a, at a film festival, whatever. What is the first words out of Philip Seymour Hoffman's mouth? What's the score of the Bills game? I'm like, that's why I love you. As I worked on a set with Michael Chiklis, notorious Boston sports fan. I sit down, I'm a California Angels fan. I said, well, how can I talk to Michael Chiklis sitting right next right. to me on the set of No Ordinary Family? I said, Wait, we both hate the Yankees. So I bring that up. He's like, he's like, yeah, I and then we had like 15 minutes of good conversation. Wait, I got lucky because Hoffman brought up the bills to me. I'm like, now we're simpatico. I interviewed Bill Murray, and the first question he asked me, he goes, uh, did the Cubs win today? And I said, Cubs didn't See? play today. And I go, nobody, and I thought in my head, I go, nobody knows more that the Cubs didn't play today than Bill Murray. Because yeah. he looked at me, and he's like, all right, you're cool. Uh, like, he's like, you he get it. He was testing, testing you? He was testing me. <laughs> so it makes sense that Hoffman was asking me. It, it was a Sunday at the George Eastman house in Rochester, New York. It makes sense that Hoffman's like, what score of the Bills game? I'm like, Mr. Hoffman, I don't know, but I will get that for you. And I got to him like, we're losing like we always do. <laughs> Well, let's put the audience in the... I'm sure you've all heard of Apocalypse Now, but let's put the audience in, right. the, in the realm of where this was. Of course, this is between Star Wars and Empire. Yeah, there's four for Harrison movies. Ford. This is a Harrison Ford movie. This is the only reason we're talking about it. And there's four it. in one year. You got uh, right. uh, Frisco Kid, More American Graffiti, and Hanover Street, and this. So yeah. we put out four movies. Still four trying movies to figure in out one year. If he's going to be a, a leading Frisco man or not. Frisco Kid, is that with Belushi? No, that's with uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Uh, Belushi was with uh, uh, um, that Jack movie? Nicholson. That's yeah. going going south. south. Okay, so I'm this movie, my Frisco kids and my going south a little easy misunderstanding. But you talk about Unless like you've seen both. You talk about nine. I need nine. That's why helicopters. I don't play this game, Wit? But go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. He's like, go that's ahead. why you're a loser, and I'm not. <laughs> Next question. I have no questions. We're just talking. Next commentary. The tagline for the movie is no surprise. The horror. Oh. The horror. The horror. Uh, the, the horror. The budget, $31 million, uh, plus over bl- budget, plus marketing, $45 million. Oh, wow. But, like, of course, them's $1979. To see it, $5, which was a, which was a new high in Los Angeles to go see yeah. that movie. Because it only, it? At, first, at first, you talk about, like, nine helicopters. They were such rigorous work to get exactly what Coppola wanted. It ended up being a Dolby Stereo 70mm print with stereo surround sound. So it could play wow. in three theaters. The Ziegfeld, the University of Toronto, and the Cinerama Dome. And it was released for 147 minutes in that first cut, which wow. is not the one we saw today, which was 183. Oh, wow. So, Did we watch? It felt like 40 extra it, minutes. It, like it was four, seven and a half hours. It felt like 483 <laughs> minutes. I really watched a 483 minute movie. Yeah, okay. What I want to see now is Hearts of Darkness, because I have not seen that Ooh. documentary. Holy 
because that documentary is on point. And and I can't divorce myself from the making of Apocalypse Now, as you shouldn't, because as I, as I said while we were watching this, I was saying it, it's, it's a Werner Herzog thing, which is that in order to make a movie about a guy that hauls a ship over a mountain, you have to make a, you have to, in Actually the course of shooting it. that movie, haul a ship over a mountain. Right. You know, I mean, Coppola did that in this. It was just an impossible production. And It's the only thing And I do. love that about this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I knew someone when I was growing up who thought when Coppola appears in the film as a journalist video, filming right. the keep soldiers, going, going. Yeah, he said, that took me out of it. I didn't like the movie. Uh, then take it out. I'm like, then take it out. Like, what are you, that, that's the scar that makes you not like the entire movie. Right. I agree. I'd be like, take, take it Because that to me looked like, if you know who Wait, you Coppola, really you didn't like that? It absolutely. Wow, you're that guy from my childhood. 100%. Takes me out of it. Now I'm not. That doesn't mean I'm scoring the movie low because of that. I'm saying, don't be so fucking full of yourself. Take, let, your, but cut let me, yourself out. Hold on. In that scene, it's in many times in the opening four movies of this movie. I think, uh, <laughs> but certainly at that movie in this uh, movie, as we said, this is eight movies long. But in that scene. <laughs> It's such a showcase. This is eight movies long. It's such a showcase of <laughs> such the accurate description of this film. Right, it's eight movies long. But it's such a showcase of the pastiche that he's creating in this widescreen thing, this two, three, five thing. It's always got to be nine helicopters, one landing, one in the sky, one doing this. A tank one, shooting you know, fire, Paul. Yeah, 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 a tank yeah. shooting fire, eight hundred soldiers crossing here and here, and you're like. Well, of course this drove you to madness, Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, you've just never seen such a lush... Like, yeah. when you shoot 235, nothing makes me more mad than a movie that shoots 235, which is to say that extreme widescreen, like Lawrence of Arabia widescreen. When you don't fill that, but you shot in that... You are wrong. You are trying to be pretentious. How dare you? But Coppola fills that two, three, five uh-huh. every inch of it. And even if it's one thing in the screen, like like uh, uh, Brando's head... And somehow that fills the screen. That I've never nobody's seen earned a movie. two, three, five. Quite never like Apocalypse Now. See, you guys know my journey. I, I barely exposed to you my journey with this film was my dad was a major league baseball umpire. He was, you know, on the exercise bike in the off season, <laughs> wearing a trash bag, and we knew Bill Mirator. Bill Mirator was the guy who owned a video shop behind me, and I could walk in there and grab. Eight movies, and because my dad would give him like <laughs> autographed baseballs, bats, whatever he needed. And that's why I could just make tapes. So, at Bill Mirator's video, you could rent whatever you wanted. At Bill Mirator's <laughs> video store, I could walk in with a U Haul and be like, Give me DC Cab, like- all the police academies. <laughs> Your dad had Mike Schmidt, anything with, baseball for anything me. with Bubba Smith. <laughs> <laughs> for for a, you and Chuck Norris, Kaiser truck for a Dwight Evans baseball. For, you can get Dwight Evans snack. baseball. <laughs> You're not that far off, Kaiser. Tell us what you would walk. Out. You got eight movies that year. What what were they? <laughs> well, normally I'd walk out with you got Police Academy, Police Academy for sure. <laughs> Which one? All of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was like the Bobcat Goldthwait phase, and then I'd get like I like Citizens on Patrol. I remember being a huge like. Norris fan, so like, give me oh. Invasion USA, right. 
Gimme. The Octagon. Delta, Delta Force. No, the Octagon was like 70s. That's old people. Silent Rage. Yeah, Code of Silence. Like, Code of Silence. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's silence. actually a good one. And then yeah. Like, yeah. I get like DC yeah, Jab. Loma Bequade was Sidekicks. D- no, I didn't write Loma that. Loma I don't know. Oh, Sidekicks yeah. Loma Red Dawn. I, I hate to take a side uh, alley from Apocalypse Now, but <laughs> why, why end <laughs> now? <laughs> What's your favorite Chuck Norris movie? Is it not Lone Wolf McQuaid? That is clearly the best one, right? Am I wrong? No, the appropriate That is Code the best one. The appropriate answer. You like that better than Lone Wolf McQuaid? The appropriate. Andrew Davis, the director of The Fugitive. Yeah. It's probably his, his most prestigious work. Oh, that's work. true. The directing is not that great you in know what? Lone Wolf McQuaid. You know what? The appropriate but... answer is none of them because he sucks. So I'm going to go Delta Force because he gets <laughs> Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin originally considered for Colonel Kurtz. Oh. But are you sh- me? Yeah, uh, uh, Lee Marvin, and there was another casting choice. Uh, Paul, you have rails to get oh, back and, onto? And uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles, also oh. considered. Oh, wow. And Bogdanovich worked with Orson Welles in one of in his like his first movie. I remember seeing a documentary recently about Bogdanovich. It's interesting, all these young filmmakers who, of course, idolized Orson Welles. When Eastwood turned down the role, the main role to play Willard. Okay, Willard. Willard. Good. Um, oh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Steve McQueen turned it down. He they didn't want to pay him uh, the three million. Anyway. Think of all like who are the, the Harvey Cartel. I guess I could imagine in this role. Yeah, yeah, he's oh well, that. are you serious? I'm, That's a fact, I'm right? That's is, a fact. That is a fact. He what I'm guy. saying is like, <laughs> what a fucking blessing it was to have this man Martin Sheen play. I don't yeah. think any. I just some people were born to play certain parts, and you could never separate the two. This guy was that guy. But he, he fades into the background that enough guy. that you could imagine other people That's playing That's the most him. important part. And, but, yeah. but what you're saying is for the... Yeah. He's supposed to fade Yeah, you back. don't want like a Hugh Jackman no, out there. Right, he, right. That's true. That's but true. Wait, wait, in that first original cut of that movie, he's supposed to fade back. Yeah. He's kind of our eyes into the situation. Right. We're just sort of watching right. what unfolds. Which is why you right. love that version more. Like I do. I think you'd rather see. Like so, I'm. I'm well, Kaitel was cast. That you brought him up originally. Yes, Showed that's why I say set, that. Left a month into production. It only required yeah. about you know this? four days no. of reshoots. Kaitel was originally cast. I'm glad they, he did. They I'm shot for a month in the. I want to see the footage though. It's going to be like the Stoltz Back to the Future footage because he shot. They, well, like, Sheen was more soulful. Make a new movie. That's yeah. I, I don't give a. F- and, and also, you have to think of the voice. Johnny, you have to give a f- because one with the audience to live vicariously. No, through. I just I love Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel and Reservoir Dogs, brilliant. Yeah. I don't give a shit about watching how was Harvey, lost footage. How was Harvey Keitel when you mic'd him? I didn't mic him. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, the first time you saw this, Adam? I saw this in my, in uh, sophomore year of college, uh, in my living room and on four by three TV, and I wasn't that overly enthused with it. I I, I wanted to see all these classic movies. Much like I do now. There's I movies too. I haven't seen, you know, that I need to see. So I watched it as like, oh, you know, I rented it at the local video store, and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta watch Apocalypse now. I haven't seen this. I like The Godfather, but I hadn't loved The Godfather yet. But again, VHS, four by three, not an epic presentation, not in a theater. Uh, and so when I saw Apocalypse now, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I guess I, I see it. it but. I'm watching it as a kid who saw Platoon, and that was a Vietnam me- movie that spoke to me like, oh, That's wow, great, that really... straightforward great great right, storytelling. That really yeah. put me in Key the Vietnam being experience. being straightforward. <laughs> the, ni- the thing I realize now that's different from the 1993 me is this isn't a Vietnam movie. This is an art movie. 
with a satire uh, of the war in the middle with the Kilgore sequence. I saw it before you, I think, uh, you know, when I was younger. Because I was like you, I'm like, oh, I love movies. I want to scoop them all up. What do we got? You got and see so it. it fell into the, the category like network and Chinatown. Right. And, this, and I, they all kind of went over right. my head, and I needed to revisit them again as an adult. So, I mean, I think that screening at the IMAX in 2019 was probably that was my the favorite. Thing. That's the Paul, one where I went, got that, it. That was the thing. In. Paul and I saw two years ago, I think, yeah. uh, the final cut in an IMAX. I was an advocate. I loved Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse, uh, uh, Coppola's wife's documentary on the making of Apocalypse Now. Oh. Because, of course, I love if filmmakers more than I love films. Nobody here tonight has seen Hearts of Darkness, the making of Apocalypse Now. You dare call yourself a cinema <laughs> That's me. I'm, nerd. I'm right here. You're well, calling out Paul, Paul right now as talking Paul, to me. You, you, you suck. Say that. You suck. But you can get you the can host get, of the show. You have a chance <laughs> to redeem yourself. Okay, good. But I used to say as no, a bratty filmmaker. Hearts, well, now's a good time to see it. Wife close to a screening right. a final cut. Right, and, and we should because because I just yeah. got this fifteen dollar box set. Which, Ford's in it. We, uh, I imagine, right? Is Harrison Ford in it? I don't think he is. Oh, they got to yeah. show at least an archival clip. No, 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 it's much more about the, uh, the trials with the Air Force. We could squeeze it in as a bonus and, Ford Fiesta episode. Yeah, if you're right. It. We could. We have to could. find out. I'll, have to see, I'll like check a, the credits. A bona fide Patreon episode if I've ever heard yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to how this was made, of course, it's adapted from Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Uh, the Coppola changed from the Congo to Vietnam. Uh, Coppola references Which Wells all, tried to make. You talk about art. Uh, there was all kind of art in the adaptation. Uh, entering Kurtz's camp is like Dante's Inferno. That was the thing. Like right. when the, when the, the crazy Which people circle? on the white boats sp- spread apart right. and then envelop what him an into the camp. Image. What an amazing image. I mean, yeah, I've read that book. So that I whole get it. shoreline yeah. with the I've red read Dante's smoke, Inferno, the yellow smoke. Sure. Kurtz quoting T.S. Eliot. The spear and arrow attack was some sort of critique on the concepts did, of civilization and progress. Wait, That's apparently thought out. You know, it's a choice. Did the T.S. Eliot quote make the cut. He said Jellico, Jellico, Jellico cats. <laughs> no way. Remember when he said Jellico? Jellico Kurtz. Jellico Kurtz. Jellico Kurtz. Talk about laser cats. Kurtz may be slightly based on Tony Poe. This hasn't been confirmed by the filmmakers, but this is a guy, a real person, who would engage in secret wars in Laos, dropping severed heads into villages to send a message. And he worked for the government, but and he would send ears back to his superiors oh. to show them how well it's going. And this idea of how the war is madness, how the war drives you mad. Oh, yeah. How you just can't keep your sanity how about when he couldn't live without coming back to it that's like the beginning of the movie that's interesting too i couldn't i don't think that's hit over the head in the original cut not at all like like he left the war and had to come back come back he could defuse bombs in hurt locker but he didn't know what cereal to buy at the end of the movie that's the brilliance of that film but war was an addiction and 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 i and that you know i know what there's a great book called uh war is a force that gives us meaning Oh, written, wow. written by a guy named Chris Hedges, who was a writer oh. for the New York Times, a okay. war correspondent, wow. who covered war upon war upon war for 12 years. And he wrote a book called War is a Force That Gives Us Meaning. Someday this war is going to end. Well, here's some of the problems that happened over the five-month shoot that stretched five over a year. Five months. It stretched over a year. Wow. Extreme weather. Typhoon Olga wrecked t- 10 to 80% of the sets. Jeez. Cast and crew had to go home for a month. Typhoon oh. Olga. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Brando showed up overweight and unprepared. He hadn't no. read Heart of Darkness. He didn't. Now, wait a minute. I want to talk about this because didn't he just put out Superman? Bro, he was fat as f- 
Can not Superman. King Kong Bundy fat. Like no, he was blowing it. up. So That's fair. yeah, he might not have been that fat. He was fat. <laughs> now, now Superman was released. Paul that, Superman that. was released in '78, but they were trying to shoot two movies at the same time. So that movie had been shooting for a few years, and they may have shot in Brando first. So Brando may have been shot in '76, and two years. We're looking at two years later. But he might have been two. He might have had two <laughs> years to eat. Twinkies. You will find out that what the cronut is on Earth. <laughs> my son. My son. My son. You, you, will, the you will dip the crust That's of that pizza in the, the butter. My son. <laughs> I pass on to you the oh, garlic knots. <laughs> Uh, Martin Sheen had a nervous breakdown, a near-fatal heart attack oh, yeah. while on location. He claimed it was heat stroke, so he wouldn't spook the no, that's, investors that's, in the film. That's oh. Coppola stroke. Yeah. It's Coppola stroke. Yeah, it's Coppola <laughs> yeah. stroke. You're not going for it enough. <laughs> His bro- I want to see you bleed. <laughs> well, I mean, right, right. Punch the yeah. mirror. Punch which, it. Which happened? He broke the glass. That's all yeah. real blood. Yeah. yeah, he. I, I heard he was really drunk. He was intoxicated and really like the opening scene. It had a lot of depression issues and like watch the documentary Hearts of Darkness, right? And you will get some perspective on how twisted up Martin Sheen was watching in that moment of filming. Yeah. Like yeah. he clearly wasn't a sound mind. And Coppola was pushing him. By the yeah. way, with all of the helicopter composition stuff you see in the first... The helicopter porn is the first 30 minutes of this movie. Right. <laughs> with all I of that, it. can you believe of all the 70s... This movie's in the helicopter porn sort section of the video and, store. And can you yeah. believe all the 70s <laughs> filmmaker who were like going for these big, grandiose images to the point of like... I, I, all the helicopter stuff, I was like, holy crap. Well, that helicopter There's comes so down much and lands right next to Martin right? Sheen and the other actors. My God. It's like, it, this could go wrong. And and so many shots of these long moving shots where helicopters have to land on time and actors have to land on time. It's one thing for a, a, an actor to make their mark to begin with in a lockdown shot. This one had to have four helicopters land and the camera moves. hanging off the helicopters trying to get to the playmates. you got to remember oh one, one thing that is the, Impossible the most Impossible shots, all of them. This was the era, at least in American American filmmaking, where the inmates strictly run the asylum. Right. They got the money. Yeah. They did what they want. They didn't give a shit. And like, either there, there, someone, whoever's watching, like, there's no internet, there's no emails to go back and forth. They did whatever the they want, for better or for worse. Practically, because it was all in camera. That's why amazing. I, that's why I notate when Dennis Hopper enters the picture that it is now ten years or eleven years since the revolution began with Easy Rider. They and each of those filmmakers point. took their own genre. There was the mob genre, sci-fi, disaster. They each took their own and you're like, each one of them made yeah, these they amazing all split masterpieces. Off of Roger and Carmen and said, I'm gonna war. make my own genre. Here's war. God Coppola bless. does war. To yeah. quote Coppola, we had access to too much money, too much equipment, yeah. and little by little we went insane. That's little a good by thing. Little insane. Samuel Bottoms, <laughs> who played Lance the Surfer, got hookworm, which wrecked his liver. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, literally wrecked? When you say That's wrecked. That, that was his phrase for it. He said it wrecked my liver. That was no oh. medical, like, how bad it was. But yeah. Might have been just for real, while he, he was, was there. He was a real surfer, right? Is that why no he idea. calms down halfway through the movie and appears to be in a trance? Because <laughs> he got hookworm? Well, he looks to drop he, LSD. He looks like an actor playing a surfer, but I'd be curious if he really did. Uh, one day, the entire payroll was stolen. Backwater Hey, shade. security guy from the Philippines government, can you keep an eye on this Sounds money? Shady. 
Coppola offered up his car, house, and winery, and the Godfather profits as security to get the finishing funds I would for the too. film. At that point, I'd be like, "Fuck it, let's go!" And like, as this we is the greatest crazy. movie of all time. And as we discussed in the, I think it was the American Graffiti episode, George Lucas' Star Wars hits huge, and then he's able to help Coppola out because Coppola produced American Graffiti. So these guys are helping each and other. And I would say the friendly rivalry between Coppola and Lucas. Coppola is making Apocalypse Now to be his Star Wars. So Milius was encouraged by Lucas and Spielberg to make a war film. Right. Milius said he wanted to do it because he couldn't serve. Asthma. Uh-huh. And then Milius' USC professor said, no screenwriter has ever perfected a film adaptation of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Uh-huh. So he set off to work, inspired by Dr. Strangelove. And Coppola then took over directing with an influence by Werner Herzog's Aguirre, The Wrath of God. So all the things we've mentioned... Did I just call all that out while watching it? Oh my god, I'm the best film scholar. Right, Uh, but they also are are leading with all this stuff. I called all that out and I didn't look any of it up. (laughs) (laughs) All my favorite scenes, you open my eyes say like, this sh** like uh like a uh, Doctor Strange club. Paul, that's nice to talk your facts holy... here, but let's talk about Robert Duvall. I was like, "Hold on." No, no, no. <laughs> no, but uh, but that that has always remained my favorite part of the film is anytime Duvall's on screen and wh- you looked right. over, you were like, "It's like Doctor Strange love." And I'm it's like, "Holy f-. I never in my life made that correlation. Obviously it is." There's an interview between Coppola and Milius, and they said all of them him, Coppola, Lucas loved Doctor Strange Love. No, yeah, there that was go. in the interview, and you can so tell that when, when Kilgore comes in, it becomes a whole new movie. Wow. And I didn't find Kilgore like Hot Shots funny until right. I saw the final cut in IMAX, and I was like, Kilgore is the funniest character of all time. <laughs> he is an absolute satire of war. This movie that's supposedly a satire of war is only a satire, satire while moment. Kilgore is on screen. And, and, Duvall, and Duvall gets nominated for 11 minutes of screen time. Wow. And John Milius thought, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, was so over the top it'd be cut. And of course, now it's a classic, it's so one of the classic lines the of top. all time. He wrote Quint's monologue. <laughs> this is just the beginning, Kaiser, man. Kaiser, Quint's monologue from Jaws. Oh, that's Milius? That's mostly Milius. Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> of course it is. And let me let me, let me me talk about one Milius line uh, that is famous because... I mean, we're talking about Apocalypse Now, but really, this is a Harrison Ford movie that he's in. Oh, for five let's minutes. talk about Harrison. Let's oh, talk about Harrison we Ford. Go, here we we're go. We're talking about Francis Ford Coppola. I we're forgot why Milius. we're here. I forgot why we're. F- these guys. This is a Harrison Ford movie. This is a Ford Fiesta. I forgot why I was here for Christ's sakes. Right. I was like, oh, which cut should we watch? And I'm like, well, whichever one has the most Harrison Ford in it. I didn't have time to research which one did have the most Harrison Ford in it. Clearly, we watched today the one with the most Harrison Ford in it. About, to my estimation, because I've seen the original cut, you know, ten times or so. So I still can recognize when we've entered a different cut. And I'm like, there is not that much Harrison Ford in the original cut. There's about four minutes of Harrison Ford, maybe, in the original cut. And there's about eight or nine minutes of it in this cut, which was awesome. And he's part of the team that has to tell yeah. Willard to go kill Kurtz, to kill a fellow American soldier. And you can see the pain in his face when he has to deliver that yeah. news and he can't quite do it. And the other guys eventually chime in with kill with extreme prejudice. It, it really sticks out the coughing fit yeah. that he has where he <laughs> he can't bring himself because he's going, yeah. <clears throat> clearing fit. Right, he's clearing his throat because uh, he can't say, uh, you've got to go murder this man. Yeah. Oh, this a because because really that scene, the, the parody of that scene, the strange love of that scene is... By the way, we're here to tell you to go murder a man. Right. Go murder a person. Who's a 
U.S. citizen like right. yourself. We're here to tell yeah. you to... And but, but, military man. But all the analytic talk in that scene is like, we want you to, uh, uh, you know, um, kind of go in and, um, um, you know, kind yeah. of... Uh, and murder. Harrison, and Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford... Commit that, murder. Right. And Harrison Ford's the one that's trying to set that up. And he has the most literal parody of that, of the, like the toughness of saying, what we're telling you to do is go kill a man by going, <clears throat> um, you can, <clears throat> uh, you know, you could go in and can <clears throat> bake him a cake, you know what I mean? Like kind of a <clears throat> welcome murder, back, daddy, if you know what I mean. Commit yeah. murder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he was cast after James Conn turned it down because oh, wow. of the pay for such a small part. He did Journey to Shiloh by then. He would have done Journey to Shiloh with Harrison Ford. <laughs> Hold on. Clarify this for me. Is James Conn in Rollerball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, Kaiser. 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 Yeah, a little bit. No, 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 no. Ah, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's the thing. Here's the whoa. thing. No, no, Kaiser. Stop the clock. Hold on. Stop the clock. When's the last time you saw Rollerball? Never. You and I are going to watch Rollerball, and let me tell you something about Rollerball. If I told you that Stanley Kubrick directed this movie, you would have very little argument. Did Stanley Kubrick direct Rollerball? No, but you will not believe it while you're watching it. It is a Stanley Kubrick movie. Did Michael Mann direct it? He did not. Oh, who directed that? Norman Jewison. Norman Jewison, that's correct. And it. And if I said, oh, did you know Stanley, this is a Stanley Kubrick movie, without seeing the credits... You watch the whole movie and go, I guess he did. Wow. That's how that's how awesome Rollerball is. That is that good? Yeah. I started watching this Michael Mann Thief movie. I fell asleep. Not because it was boring, because I was tired. No, it's boring, but it's Michael Mann boring. No, it's a tent. I'm like, this is... No, Michael Mann's a boring director. A lot of people don't admit that, but I, it's a boring I like. You know what? You don't, You have a point. Yeah. You have a very no, he, point. He's boring, but he's like boy well, boring. Like, Here's a movie guy I boring. absolutely love. I mean, if I was a woman... Like he's the most boring filmmaker Oof. ever. Drive. I like Drive with with uh, right. Also for boys. What's his name? Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Ryan What's the film name? Schwartz. Yeah. Schwartz. Fake, Schwartz. My, Schwartz. fake Michael Mann. Fake Michael. Fake Mann. Michael Mann. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Uh, yes. Yeah. What's his Cousy. name? Cousy. When I was but that's okay. Nicholas Winding Refn. Nicholas Winding Refn. But, but the thing is, Michael Mann only makes a Michael Cousy. Mann movie every ten years. Cousy. He makes a movie every five Cousy. years. When I was watching Thief, I'm like. This seems like Nicholas Whining reference yeah. favorite filmmaker. No, I love it. I, I thought I, 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 it's not an insult when I say fake Michael it, Mann. No, it's like, I know, give me more I Michael know. Mann movies. And whoever, I'm, I whoever wants to make a Michael Mann movie, bring it on. That movie's like a Molly Crew concert. I want to rock. Uh, all right. Well, that's Apocalypse Now. No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> There's no, more. No. So what else? What else can we say? Uh, Coppola ended up being 18 million over budget, but he because he was personally liable, he retained over budget. He retained yeah. the rights to the picture in perpetuity. I wouldn't. Care. Ooh, so he said, "Go over budget, but however much it goes over budget, I'm okay with if there's a." Here's the other thing. About the, I'm curious where no, the sentence no, is going. No, 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 no. I'm saying like. If it goes over budget, now I owe you money. Like I'm responsible for the fucking thing. Like, what does that mean in perpetuity? Like, if the retain the rights to the movie, if the movie tanks, I owe you money. Like, he put his house, his winery, the Godfather profits, all on the line. For what? To make the to make Apocalypse Now, the movie we're talking about. To make art, dude. Here's the thing: you can watch this movie and go, "This is a masterpiece." It is. But then, but then that that sort of artsy guy inside yourself, you're like. When you realize that Coppola's like, yeah, I put up my entire life 
to make sure this movie came out. You know what's amazing? Even watching Storaro's dailies, I was simply <laughs> like, I have no f***ing idea if this is going to work. Oh, well, like, no, okay, wait. Like no, no, greatest... super, wait a minute, wait a minute. Super important point on that. In the Philippines, they couldn't watch dailies. There was no way to process oh, the film. Wow. They filmed everything, sent it back to California, then Coppola watched it. They had no idea if they'd shot... Yep. Coppola had to borrow. You mentioned Coppola borrowing local military equipment from the Philippines right. when we were watching it. Uh, because five helicopters that. won't do. I need nine. Well, also, Kill Colonel Kurtz is the theme of the movie, so the U.S. military said, mm, we can't get behind that. So, right. yeah. Oh, no way. But every once in a while, Ferdinand Marcus... He was no Michael Bay. ...had to take back the equipment to fight the rebels wow. <laughs> in the Philippines. I know. Isn't and then give it back to them when they're done shooting. Yeah, yeah. no, they had to call yeah, Coppola, like, we're going to need I mean, choppers, dude. Think of those complex shots we saw where the camera's moving, the helicopter lands, the other helicopter lands, and then Martin Sheen comes in and kneels down, and then two other helicopters lands. This, like, compa- complex ballet of military might. And before you're about to shoot that they go, hey, we got to take the helicopters. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we got rebels up our hey, Sorry, guys. A real war. <laughs> wow. Not a Hollywood war. We got a real war. You know what else came out that year? Like Red Brown's Captain America and North <laughs> Dallas 40. So I just want to say, I just want to say, Vittorio Storaro makes all the difference. Storaro wow. gives the greatest. Human interpretation of film. If what you, about uh, people, Emmanuel Lebesky? If people want to say, <laughs> what about Yanish Kaminsky? Yeah, the amateurs, the Orson Welles movie, Citizen Kane. That one. <laughs> That's the yeah. greatest morons. <laughs> what about uh, what and it, no? It's great. It's what about Yanish Kaminsky? Morons. Sorry, Lebesky, Kaminsky, morons. All morons. Morons. That is. <laughs> what it's a legit we point. just watched today. Who's the best? It is a legit point. I Who's think I've heard it five times. Literally, <laughs> the greatest and thing Harrison anybody Ford ever got us to this question. Captured on screen is Vittorio <laughs> Vittorio Serraro's Apocalypse Now. <laughs> we all turned to each other in the living room fifty times, and we're like, huh, when you "What? La- when what? you left? What are we looking at? What?" Well, so Storaro wins the Oscar. It won two Oscars total. Okay. The other one Sweet. goes to Walter Murch and his team for the sound, oh, because yeah. as great as all that stuff was shot, I mean Murch. the sound is all over the place because uh, helicopters and all that stuff. They rebuilt a lot. They rebuilt entirely the sounds of the jungle, oh, and they had to ADR a ton of the dialogue. Yep, yeah. and how he many, edited the film too, how, so he's in the sound and he's in the, the film Amazing. editing. But, Amazing, both that. yeah, and he's what nominated. Maestro nominated for editing too, but didn't win. And I was like pointing out fun names in deep in the credits. A supervising editor was Richard Marks. If you know Richard Marks, he worked with sure. James L. Brooks on all those uh, films. Oh, he was Richard Marks was a guitar player, not the singer. Yeah, I know the uh, singer. <laughs> he was the he edited like Don't mean uh, broadcast news and yeah, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So that's a great. Film. Another cool credit in there: executive assistant Melissa Matheson. Who oh my gosh! Ties in directly to the show because yeah. went on to marry Harrison Ford. Went on to marry Harrison Ford and wrote E.T. E.T. Yeah, Melissa Matheson. I would never know that. That's cool. It's all in the family. And Coppola, there you Lucas. Go. If you're wondering, Harrison hey, Ford. can I turn this executive assistant job into something? You can. You can marry Harrison Ford. You might go through one of the biggest movies of all time. All you have to do is go through the hardest shoot in cinema history, <laughs> and you might meet Harrison Ford, the guy from The Conversation. He's <laughs> a good one. Uh, some other it. fun facts. Lawrence Fishburne lied to get cast, saying yep. he was 18. He was 14. By the time the movie was released, he was 18. <laughs> Why don't I have guts to say, like, I mean, when I was 14, I would not 
do anything that required an 18 year old. If, if I said I was 18 and someone's like, no, you're 14, I'm like, oh, I'm such a ter- terrible suburban person. Suburban bullshit. But dude, Lawrence Fishburne has the courage. Dude. Yeah. Tiny performances, perhaps uncredited. Scott Glenn. Appear another appearance along Harrison Ford. He'll appear in. Uh, he appeared in More American Graffiti as well. Arlie Ermey is uncredited in, uh, as a helicopter pilot. The right stuff. Now hold on. That, which is which is Philip that's Kaufman. That's Philip Kaufman. But that's a George. We got Lucas. the credits. With but the that's a friend of George manager. Lucas, Arlie Ermey. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, that looks wow. and sounds just like Arlie Ermey. He's got one line. But he's got Dude, one line. Did call out the Arlie Ermey, you sneaky. F- there's no mistaking Arlie Ermey when he comes on screen. One more Brando story. A taller actor doubled him to make him more uh, mythic because okay. I guess he showed up so mm. fat. They He's wanted so him to fat. be lar- larger yeah. than life. He ended up being like larger <laughs> in width. Uh, and he improvised a lot. And one time he yelled at Dennis Hopper over a simple misunderstanding. So Hopper antagonized him in the rest of the film. And Brando didn't want to share the set with him. So even the scenes where, like, they're yelling at each other, they're not shot at the same time. They're intercut, but not shot at the same time, because Brando didn't want them around. If you look at the shots, they look completely profile and fake. So that looks like a bunch of bullshit. Now that tracks. (laughs) And we talk about everything Coppola had to have. So it premieres at the Cannes Film Festival, unfinished, wins the Palm d'Or. Oh, wow. Played in May at Cannes, then opened in August, so I had time to finish it. Yeah, but when it played... could possibly be better than this? But when, when it played at Cannes, technicians had to work last minute to add speakers to the theater to achieve Merch's 5.1 soundtrack. Wow. The first oh, oh. ever work in progress shown at Cannes, and it won. And the first ever 5.1 print, I believe. Well, yeah, if they had to change the theater around, it's yeah. not surprising. This yeah. invented 5.1. I swear, so much of this movie is competition with George Lucas because George Lucas and Coppola have a strong partnership throughout time. And when Lucas left Coppola to go make Star Wars and that became the biggest thing ever, Coppola's like, well, I'm going to make a Star Wars. My dad was literally like, go put down your G.I. Joe's. And watch this movie. Like, How old were you? He's making you watch nine years old. <laughs> wow, that's that's heavy. So my dad was watch kinda, this movie about. My dad was a major league umpire in the off season. He's like, sit down and watch this. Put down your GI Joes. And I started watching this movie. It's like, like you said with the helicopters. Like I'm like, this is like real, dude. Like, and again, I could only get through enough of it that a kid could like. I gotta leave after you're going into like slaughtering boars and doing all the weird. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride bikes with my kids. It's I such ain't... a dad movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're talking about movies your dad would watch. He would only. There's Apocalypse Now, only... Hamburger Hill, Over oh, the oh, Top, oh, uh, Uncommon Valor, <laughs> Uncommon Valor, Walter Hill. <laughs> Like escape, you know, what is it? USA something USA invasion USA invasion, invasion USA, USA. Yeah. Red Dawn you mentioned yeah Red Dawn Silent Rage uh, 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 what was the one uh, the Delta <laughs> you love Force back in the 70s. Delta a Force, Force of One <laughs> a Force of One Delta Force I'm like uh, I, w- I want to watch DC Cab the funny oh, goofy shit I want to watch you know Police save Academy, that for the, the Schumacher CS goofy shit all right we got to wrap this up because right, it's been yeah. an hour. Uh, but I, to, to, to wrap it up, I will say in 2000, it's selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Uh, it's re-released again in 90, 1987 on the heels of Platoon and Full Metal Jacket. It's right. 98% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's so the probably greatest Rex film Reed. in the history of film. Is Rona Barrett still alive? She called Period. it a disappointing Rona failure. Rona Barrett. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, uh, you talk about the, the 
the competition with Lucas. I don't know what Star Wars made. I can't remember its initial release, three, four hundred million, something like that. Star this uh, made forty, but over time, it's made a hundred. Okay. So in the re-releases, it's not about money; it's about impact. No, Coppola, uh, unfortunately, uh, is is well, trailed behind Lucas yeah. in some weird way. He's wanted to get his. I'm sure he wanted to get his winery and his car and everything back. So yeah, yeah. it was a little bit about money. Uh, and then, of course, it did lead to one of my favorite moments in Hot Shots. I think it was part due, where Charlie Sheen's character is oh, going down a boat in the amazing. river, passes Martin Sheen in another boat. They look at each other and in sync say, Loved you in Wall Street! <laughs> Which is both true. They're both great in that movie, but just hilarious. Because <laughs> they both have monologues. There's a monologue in Platoon, and there's a monologue yeah. in Apocalypse Now, <laughs> and they did a parody that of both those yeah. voices. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Really funny. And is this the first Vietnam movie? Well, the Green Berets did it first, I think, right. it came out it's during the, other the war. One. But then the boys and company see in the deer hunter. That's all that came before it. it. So none of these are showing it as to be a good war, and yeah. nor should they. So the Hollywood had the balls to be accurate about what a crap war Vietnam was. And the Harrison Ford list of essentials we don't even have to go through because all the stuff we love with the pointing and the yelling and the uh, punching a guy, just none of it happened. No, Whores and hookers. So guys, we talk about the Ford essentials, the things you love about Harrison Ford each week. There's the Harrison Ford point. You find this man. Oh, you, you know. Always do it. Uh, there's a punch. There's a but he does none of that in this movie. Righteous I mean, anger. Righteous he anger. Smile and charm. He's all business. This no, could be a part all, Scott Glenn could play because it reminds me of something like he played in Silence of the Lambs or something. Like, Scott Glenn from More American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Scott Glenn. He, <laughs> right. More he? American Graffiti. Scott Glenn. <laughs> um, so uh, then we ask, and you can chime in on this, Kaiser. How Harrison Ford is he? How in Harrison this Ford is he in this movie? Percentage wise, Kaiser. When you think about the ultimate Harrison Ford, like like the hundred percent Harrison Ford, we're talking about what percentage is he in this movie, Harrison Ford? I think he's like thirty percent Harrison yeah, Ford. Yeah, I think so too. Is he more Harrison Ford than the bellhop in uh, Dead Heat on America Round? Paging Mr. Ellis. Well, yeah, he's tasked with okay, more, so and we can more, get a little more right. presence out of him. Okay, so, so I'd say that's presence, 30%. Yeah. This might be 45. Oh, that's 30%? The bellhop's 30 What do you think? I don't know. I can't remember what we graded no, it, but I can't looking remember. back on it, I'd probably I mean, give it like a we can say right 10. now. But it, this is more than that. This is more than that. No, he's very good. You know, he's very good in the part. I don't, yeah. I, I feel like I'm watching Friends when I see him in this movie. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Well, how do you get Weirdly that? Weirdly awkward. Like, I don't... That's a weird take. That's your first weird take. Yeah. I don't like him. I'm really shocked that's your first weird take. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. He, like, you could have got anybody to do this. You could have I can speak as a Harrison this. Ford expert. You can go on the brand of no, Bonanza I, I, and talk I, I, all about our like, I, like, I like Harrison Ford with a hot rod. Harrison Ford with well, a we've hot had, rod. We've had two of those so far. Okay. Paul, did you all set up the show saying. by saying we'd had a few to drink? And with that, I was not. I was not impressed no, 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 no. by. Hold on, we've got to decide Harrison what percentage Ford. Harrison Ford he is. Okay. All right. So for I'll example, twenty. For example, twenty percent. All right, all right. We got okay, well, that's, that's pretty good considering you thought you were watching, you know, Matthew Perry. I will give Powers Matthew Star him a Powers twenty percent in this movie. Okay, I say but thirty. I'll, yeah, okay, so what do we think he was? Did not blow me away. I'd say in. And by the way, if you were not in this movie, nobody. He's not cares. supposed to blow you I'd away. He's all facts. Good and Kaiser, here's the news. Kaiser. Kaiser, go away. Let me. Let me. Let me. Go away. Put Scott Glenn in. No. No. Let me, let me throw out a few percentages here. First of all, first of all, Kaiser. Do you know the very first person that Harrison Ford punched on screen? 
Kaiser, you're going to love this. The very first person that Harrison Ford punched on screen. Punch? He's got more than one punches? Well, I was say uh, He's got thousands, probably. Thousands of punches in dick. his career. Who punches people his, on but, but think about this. Harrison, <laughs> hey. You Indiana are on the wrong jo- show, my friend. We Indiana may- Jones punches plenty of people, right? Not on camera, really. <laughs> I think we're done. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the Ford Fiesta. Next Jack week, Lemon. we're finally done with this and getting on Empire Strikes Ooh, Back. I used to like you. Harrison Ford, I used to like you. We apologize for the previous episode. Now you're a meal. We swear we took uh, Apocalypse Now very seriously for about the first two hours it's of this day. It's the greatest film in the history Starting of about one Two hours of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Oh, and follow us at the Movie Guys all on the social media. Yeah, right. Kaiser, where's your movie? Movie Guys are the best. All right, there movie you go. Guys oh, he likes us. He hates Harrison Ford, but Movie Guys are the and best. And if you hate Harrison Ford, come on the show. Hey, last thing. Okay. Hold the on. Movie guys. Hold on. Sure. We can't end the show Second until, last thing. Until I get to this note. Okay. This note is very important. Go ahead. There's a couple famous lines in this movie, right? Uh-huh. What movie? Name a famous line for this movie. Kaiser, go. Uh... We used to Don't kill these him. sharks. Incorrect. A famous line from this movie is "Terminate with extreme prejudice," uh-huh. and I love what movie. I lo- Apocalypse Now. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Christ. I didn't right. know that I had to do an apocalypse. Con- I mean, we were talking about different things since then. <laughs> Here's. The I'd thing. be like this. Here's the thing. Terminate with extreme prejudice uh, is a famous line from this movie, right? It it's a very John Milius line. You like John Milius? I like Harrison Ford, right there. Well, okay, we all we've like turned you around. Thank turned you. around. I love that Harrison Ford is in this movie for three minutes, uh-huh. and he sets up the most famous line uh, in the movie. Very nice. How cool is that? Kilgore is my favorite character in cinema history, I believe, as of today. All right, well, yeah. so let's get you outside so you can smoke. Thanks for listening to the Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Bye-bye. And I love that's it. the Ford Fiesta. Movie Train guys. recognition. There's mines over there. Mines over there, too. And watch out. Those goddamn monkeys bite you, I'll tell you. Ah, that's a pretty one. Move it right in toward me. I'm an American!